we're in the lectionary, uh, and the lectionary, for those that don't know, is a way of putting scripture together. It's, it's centuries old, right? And the lectionary readings are happen every day, seven days a week. They have a New Testament passage, an Old Testament passage, a psalm. They often have themes. Sunday passages are particularly intentional. But if you have no regimen for reading the Bible, if you think, like, I don't know how to engage scripture, one option, I mean, I usually tell people read through the Gospels, right? That's always a great way of engaging it. But the lectionary, they're not long, right? It's a short passage from each, and in three years, you would get through the whole scripture. Today's passage I'm going to highlight, the one I'm going to highlight, is from 1 Kings. But before that, I I have a question. And this is for everyone, but in particular, I'm thinking about like Sullivan and Nina and some of the kids. But this is for, you have to, everyone has to do it. Okay. So I want you to imagine you're like Aladdin or whatever, and you stumble upon the the, the bottle. And he rubs, and the genie gives you one, not three, one wish. What are you going to wish for? Sullivan, you're not, you can't ask for more wishes. So don't try to... You can't ask for more wishes. You have, it can't be that. And it has to be for yourself. Okay? So I want, I, I'm literally going to give you ch- a chance to think about it. You have one wish. has to be for yourself. Can't be more wishes. Someone under the age of 18, you want to share? What are you going to wish for? What? <laughs> you're, you're, you're looking through my slides? Oh, I didn't put an answer on there. You're not going to, like, there's one answer. <laughs> I'm a philosophy professor. Of course, there's not one answer. Anyone feel comfortable sharing? Nina, do you know what you'd wish for? Anybody? In heart you are, Lori. What would you wish for? Ooh. That's a good one. Want what you have. I'm so sorry. Did you, did you hit record? Okay, well, I'm already ahead of it. To, to want what I have, not always wanting what I don't have. Like feeling really content. Anybody else? Okay, what did Nina say? <laughs> she so my, my daughter, her wish is she wants to be able to go into a black hole because she has a running theory that at the center of a black hole is time travel. So... And a door to other universes. So, but, but we can't get there because of the crushing density and pressure. So that would, but the, a genie could do that. So <laughs> she, want, she wants to test that hypothesis out. I like it. I like it. Yes. So you want a new house that will work out for you and your family? That's a good one. Yes. And so I hope the new home works out. That's awesome. Okay. <laughs> Do you get shot at a lot, James? No. 
bulletproof, but then, then you could do WWE, right? Then you could do wrestling. No, you wouldn't get hurt, you, right? We just need to come up, we need to come up with a name and a finishing move. There you go, WWE star, but we're, you know what? Bulletproof, that's a cool name. <laughs> bulletproof, and we're, you're going to put someone in like the, the bulletproof jacket or whatever, like your finishing move. I love it. All right, you're all wrong. No, I'm kidding. There's no right answer or wrong answer. Um, this is what's crazy. In 1 Kings, Solomon sort of gets this opportunity in a dream from God. Okay, so I will read first. From chapter 2, a couple of verses, but most of the lead, this is going to be 1 Kings chapter 3, 4 through 15. So for those that don't know the context, 1 Kings is in the Old Testament. David uh, was king for quite a while, reigns over like the golden period of Israel. When he dies, Solomon, his son, becomes king. And actually, the, the sort of the golden period of Israel continues into Solomon's reign as well, but... Then David rested with his ancestors and was buried in the city of David. He had reigned 40 years over Israel, seven years in Hebron, and 33 years in Jerusalem. So now Solomon sat on the throne of his father David, and his rule was firmly established. Solomon went to Gibeon to offer sacrifices, for that was the most important high place, and Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream, and God said, Ask for whatever you want me to give you. Just what I ask you, right? Solomon answered, You have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. Now, Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in the place of my father, David. But I am only a child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased with Solomon and what he had asked for. So God said to him, since you have asked for this and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have you asked for the death of your enemies, but you've asked for discernment in administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. I'm going I'm to pause for a minute. This is a side note that has nothing to do with the thesis of my sermon, but I find this to be a very odd thing for God to do. Like, I, I, I'm thinking about it, I'm not sure what to say, except the things that we often consider blessings, like wealth and honor, I think are most often temptations. Like, they feel like blessings, but they're really like, the more money I have, the more temptation I have to like not rely on God, to use it for myself, to live comfortably, to not live a radical life of discipleship. The more power, comfort, honor I get, the easier it is for me to become self-absorbed and like, this is awesome, aren't I great? 
And that the things that we often think of as negative things often bring us closer to God, teach us, help us to grow. It's like the reverse logic of the kingdom of God. God gives him wealth and honor, and these are the very things that lead to Solomon's downfall. So I don't, I don't know what to say about that, except like wealth and honor should always come with posh and cape. If you walk in obedience, Solomon, to God and keep my decrees and commands as David, your father, did, I will give you a long life. Then Solomon awoke and he realized it had been a dream. So Solomon gets the genie question and he asks for wisdom and discernment to really understand right from wrong, to know how to lead well, to govern, to enact justice. And this pleases God. And I want to contrast this with what I often ask God for. And I think what even if I'm not doing it directly, what I'm often asking God for is something related to my circumstances. Like I want God to take away the things that are creating anxiety in me. Right. God, please change the hearts and minds of people that don't agree with me. Um, uh, God, uh, I need more money or a better job or a different boss. Uh, God, please help me. My physical health is deteriorating, right? All of these things are legitimate concerns. It's not like we can't ask God for these things. But I want us to, to be thoughtful about what Solomon does, which is nothing to do with his circumstances, right? God says, oh, you didn't ask me to, dis- like, victory over your enemies. You didn't ask me to have your kingdom be prosperous and wealthy. You didn't ask for any of that. You asked for something internal. You asked for, like, character growth and development. You asked for something eternal, something that you will take with you, something that you have no matter what your circumstances are. And this got me thinking about the things I ask God for, the things I pray for, the places I want God to change. And it got me to thinking that maybe what's most important is not that God change my situation, but that my prayer is that God change my heart. And that that's a very different thing. That God is faithful when my request is something like humility, sadly. God's always faithful to answer that prayer. Um, When I ask God to open up my heart to others, right, God's faithful to do those things. When I ask for a bag of money, I'm not so sure God's always faithful to give me that. I, I mean, I might end up with that, maybe, but I'll say it a little bit differently. Two Sundays ago, we talked about this idea of God, of Jesus saying, I offer you water where you'll never be thirsty again. I offer you food where you'll never hunger again. And that I I struggle with this because no matter how hard I try, my my soul still hungers for stuff. Right? I I don't feel satisfied. I mean, maybe for a time, but I I still thirst. And um, it seems that what Jesus is offering is not like, oh, don't worry, Job. Your life will be taken care of. Your circumstances will be well. It doesn't seem like that's what Jesus is offering because Jesus' life doesn't go that way and none of his early disciples' life goes that way. Things aren't taken care of circumstantially. It seems that what Jesus is offering is no matter what you're going through, Joe, if you turn to me, 
I'm faithful that you'll never have to worry about your identity ever again because it's in God. You'll never have to worry about being alone again because I'm with you. You'll never have to worry about my love for you because it's, it's unconditional. That there is something that you can always find when we turn to God. But what I need is something like faith, discernment, courage, love, justice, humility, so that no matter what I'm going through, I can turn to God for those things. That I will have just a little bit more trust and a little bit more faith. So I want to be like Solomon. And when I ask, when I request, when I pray, I want it to be that my heart might grow, that my love might expand, that those traits that I'm going to take with me into eternity, right, that those things will be molded. So I'm going to give you an example, and this maybe will help. So I've shared my anxiety over my sabbatical, which feels, seems weird to some of you, I'm sure. Like, oh, you get three months off. Why wouldn't you be anxious or whatever, right? Of course you're stressed out. But I don't, it's, again, I think it's the phenomenon when people retire. What, what is my identity? What am I supposed to do? Am I doing it right? How do, how do, relax, Joe, are you relaxing yet? You should be relaxed. It's going to be over soon. Before you know it, everything's going to be back. And I've told you, like, uh, like, I have these anxieties. And here's what's interesting. So I started thinking to myself, like, a lot. Like, you know what? Once my kids get back to school, once that happens, then I'll be good to go. Because how can I possibly relax with my kids home every single day, Monday through Sunday, right? I can't relax. I can't start the sabbatical process now because my kids are around. Oh, I – you thought she just starts laughing. Thank you. It is funny. It's, I'm not saying I'm smart. I'm just being honest, right? Or I've got, uh, again, get ready to play the smallest violin in the world. Like, I've got all this work happening at our house, right? So we got like a new roof put on. We're trying to get it fenced. And nothing's working out. Everything's twice as expensive. You can't get supplies. You all know, right? You've heard the drill. But it's like, oh, once, once we get all that done and I don't have people working on my house, hammering on my roof, then I can start the sabbatical. Pro it still hasn't been finished. It's still just lingering, right? Once I can get this lease for leap signed and we can get this project underway, which we're like, we're so close, uh, then I'll be, all of that stuff, it's lies. The prayers of my heart then become, change my circumstances, God, then I can connect to you. Then I can find peace. But there's always some other thing that comes up. Right? And I, I know too many stories of like, oh my gosh, I just got to get to retirement then. But then once retirement hits, health fails. Once retirement hits, then a spouse passes. Something else happens. Life is never going to have the circumstances that provide you with what you're looking for. So instead, I hear God saying, it's in the midst of your not knowing, my stress, my anxiety, that I want to teach you. I want you to find rest in the midst of that stuff. Life's greatest teacher are going to be your discomforts. It's going to be your pain. Can you figure out how to turn to me no matter what is happening so that I might grant you peace, presence, comfort, love? Like that starts right now inside of me. What Solomon prays for is inside of him, discernment. And I want my prayers to change. And I want what I'm asking God for to change. I'm tired of putting my life on hold and waiting 
for things to work out. And I want to start connecting to God now, even in the midst of it being uncertain, being turbulent, being unpredictable. My prayer for you is that you might have enough faith that whatever it is you're going through, you would turn towards God even when you don't feel it, even when it seems odd and awkward. I'm going to challenge you while I'm away, right? Many people, when the pastor goes on sabbatical, want to lean away, like, well, maybe I don't need to go to church. Joe's not there. I'm going to challenge you to move into church, to be here even more, right? To be community and to provide this place with, like, the life and excitement that we experience when we're here together. I want to challenge you while I'm away to think about one practice that fills your soul and engage in it with me. So I'm going to do this. I'm going to engage in practices that fill my soul. I'm going to pray that you do the same. Is that prayer, scripture? Is it getting a book that might inspire? Is it walking in nature, going fishing in silence, spending time playing cards with your grandkids and laughing? Engage in an intentional practice that fills your soul, that connects you with God, that is something independent of your circumstances, your stresses, your anxieties. This is my challenge to you. And then when, we, when I come back, we're going to get to share all that God taught us. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, I'm grateful for the wisdom of Solomon, who, looking at all that he could ask for, wanted you to change his heart, his mind, reshape his character, give him the kind of, the kind of wisdom he needed to lead. And my prayer is that you would give me grit and perseverance and courage that even when things seem out of control that I might rely on other people, trust, find a sense of peace in the storm. So grant us the desire of our hearts, which is more of you. Amen. Do you want me to stay up, Jen? All right, I'm
Brought you coffee so that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But no matter your circumstances, we're glad you're here. Okay, and so as a church. <laughs> we were going to miss you, but we hope that that will be better. heard how Pastor Joel will be praying for all of us during sabbatical, but these are ways that we can be praying for Pastor Joe, and these are specific things that he is asking us to pray for him. So if this is going to go in your fridge, in um, your Bible, on your kitchen table, someplace where you can be reminded that during this time of, of rejuvenation, of refreshment, that it is also our call to pray for our pastor. And so these are things that you specifically um, had invited us to pray for you. So praying for rest and rejuvenation, praying for the strength to practice solitude, to create spaces for God, to speak to him in new and powerful ways. Pray that Joe can see this time of lunar spirituality as an opportunity to rely more on God and more on his family and friends. Pray that God will grant him peace as he lets go of many things he's used to controlling. And pray that God gives his family patience as he will be away a lot. (laughs) (laughs) We will be praying for you. Okay. And now. You have Mark. Oh. No. (laughs) It's a good question. Um. So you know, like when we did the Psalms, and the the Psalms speak of the seasons of life, and some seasons you feel like God is just clearly present, you feel there's like a filled with joy and um, like an optimism. Spirituality in those times, I think, um, is the kind we think of, like when, like hands raised, like, oh, God is so present. The lunar spirituality is by the moon. So it's like when you go through dark places where God feels more more absent, it's harder to feel connected. Um, 
I think it's really important in those times to not just turn away or to, or to feel con- like abandoned, but like it's a different way of practicing your re- like or connecting to God. And so that's, I, I'm just going through a period, I think, of kind of like out of the sunshine uh, and I'm being guided by the moon. So lunar spirituality. But it's, um, I believe there's a book by that title that deals with, it's like the dark night of the soul mm. and how to try to stay connected to God even in the midst of that. Well, to end our service today, before we sing our last song, um, we invite you to join us in a liturgy. It'll be on the screen, um, and it's blessing um, our dear pastor, Sebastian. So, um, and then Bonnie can come up and get your prayer as well. Pastor Joe, we were together in ministry here at Crosspoint and have much to celebrate. We celebrate your encouragement, your direction, your leadership, and our work together in God's people in this place. Of this ministry together, we say with confidence, it is still going. Thank you. During the sabbatical time, I eagerly look forward to seeing how God will be at work in the life of this congregation, in my own life, and in the life of my family. And so I entrust you, the congregation of Collister, to God's care, for God's good work, and rich blessings. With joy, we will remember you in our hearts for these four months, praying that God will refresh you Spirit of God, descend upon our hearts. Renew Pastor Joe for ministry through this time set aside for reflection and for study. The refreshment of a break from daily tasks and routine. The excitement of new learning and direction. Grace him with your presence and keep him steadfast in faith while we are gone from one another. Be with our interim pastors as they share wisdom and leadership with us 
we're going to meet you tonight as we meet. Amen. Amen. Go now with our blessing and with the blessing of God, the Creator, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you all very much. I, I love you. I feel so loved by you. Uh, and so I'm grateful again for this time. So closing song. Before the benediction, just two quick reminders. Uh, one, 
there'll be some tables and chairs outside where we can mingle a little bit, and I'll tell you about my sabbatical. Um, we might need more chairs, so if there's anyone out there, just keep your eye out. I brought a few up, but uh, the second thing is uh, Mary Lou's uh, Foundation. You can buy some postcards or make a donation in the back, take a look at some of that. But that is much, much appreciated. Uh, and now hear this benediction. Comes from Ephesians chapter 3. I pray that Christ will live in your hearts through faith. As a result of having strong roots in love, I pray that you'll have the power to grasp love's width and length, height and depth together with all believers. I pray that you'll know the love of Christ that is beyond knowledge so that you will be filled entirely with the fullness of God. Amen. Amen. Have a great day.